cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed
men, why don't we go ahead and welcome the person around us, and then you can have a seat. Well, good morning, Hopevale. Good morning. This is a lively crowd for 9 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Man, I guess. Yeah. Is it the cold weather? Is it, what, what? What is it? I don't know. But welcome. Uh, it's wonderful to worship the Lord together, to praise his name, uh, to be in this place where God and his Holy Spirit are moving among us, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Um, if you are ready to be baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ, or maybe you're interested in baptism and have some questions, we want to invite you to sign up for a, one of our two baptism classes, either Friday evening or Saturday morning, October 21st to 22nd. So baptism classes are coming up. Our church-wide baptism is Sunday, November 6th. That's a special time of celebration. We'll be hooting and clapping then as well. And before we pray and as our ushers come forward, we wanted to let you know that Robin Lewis, many of you know Jim and Robin Lewis at Hopevale. Jim is one of our elders. Uh, Robin Lewis went home to be with the Lord on Friday morning after a long battle with cancer. And actually, I think Jim, Jim is here this morning, and he came up to me and he said, Ken, no offense, guys, but Robin is, is in a better church service this morning than we are. <laughs> and she is. She is. So, so let's, let's pray. Let's pray together for um, Jim and his family, Amy and Lisa, their two daughters. And let's pray for them and then pray for ourselves. Can we, Father, we, we thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for the joy that you give us as we worship you, as we fellowship together as the body of Christ. We give you thanks. And Lord, thank you for the promise that we have beyond this life. Our hope is not in our good works. Our hope is not in well wishes that we'll be doing something we like after we pass on from this life. But our hope is in you. Our hope is in our risen Savior who gave his life for us and promised to take us home to be with him. And so, Lord, that is a Robin's reality this morning. And so we thank you that she knew you and loved you. Thank you for her love for so many around her, so many of us. And Lord, we do lift up Jim and Lisa and Amy and Brian and Lisa's husband, uh, grandchildren and, and a lot of friends, co-workers of Robin's over the years, and just pray that you will give your comfort to them. It's hard to say goodbye in this life. And so we lift them up to you, Lord, encourage and comfort, help them, help them in the service, uh, Robin's memorial service here at Hopevale Tuesday. Uh, we just lift this family up to you. And we ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's pray together. Father, we come in this place to worship you, to meet with you, to say, Alleluia, praise the Lord. And we do that because you are worthy. And we do that because we are yours through Jesus Christ. God, our hearts long for you because we know, and many of us have tried, Nothing else, no one else can fill, the de- can fill the deep places of who we are except for you. We are made for you. We are made for your glory. And so, Lord, um, let us live that way, even now through our songs and now for this message. Holy Spirit, open our eyes, open our hearts that we might, may not only hear from you, but respond to whatever you're telling us to do. We love you, Lord, and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Well, today is the day that we wrap up our series entitled Live 168. Live 168. As I've said every week throughout this series, the goal of this series has been to get us to think differently about our faith in Jesus Christ and how we live that out, that it's a faith not just limited to one hour on Sunday here at this location, but rather one that spills over into each and every of the 168 hours in our week. And so over the last three weeks, we've looked at these three different pursuits that we can take that are going to lead us further in that direction to connect, to grow, and to serve. Connect, grow, serve. And my hope is that each Sunday we've taken some kind of specific step every week in all three of these areas so that this Live 168 kind of walk with Jesus will become even more a reality for us. Also, all throughout the series, I've brought up numerous opportunities right here at Hopevale that can encourage you in this direction. Things like involvement in a community group, attending our Get to Know Hopevale class, visiting our Welcome Center and our Connect, Grow, Serve desk, uh, growing and attending through our foundations and following Jesus classes, using and signing up for our Right Now Media resource, and then finally serving in some volunteer capacity in ministry here at Hopevale. And just about that last one, you know, virtually every area of ministry here at Hopevale continues to grow, and some of these areas are busting at the seams. Now, growth is always a good problem to have, right? But growth can also put this ongoing strain on our staff and volunteers, a strain that can and will take its toll over time. That's just the reality. Now, like I said last week, when it comes to volunteering, we're not the begging church. We're not the pleading church. We're not the guilting church. We're not the threatening church that's going to say, you better, you know, serve or else. But I don't mind us being the challenging church, right? The challenging church. And so for those of you who have been here a little while and you consider Hopevale your church home, then serving in some capacity here should be the rule, not the exception. For many of you, I challenge you to embrace a mindset that says, serve an hour and worship an hour on Sundays, right? Instead of, you know, getting in and getting out as quick as you can, how can I worship here an hour, but then also serve 
an hour. For others of you, maybe it's not the Sunday morning experience, but you're serving some other time during the week, like uh, Sunday nights for student ministries or elsewhere with community groups, right? But whenever that happens, it's secondary. The main idea is this, that we all are using the gifts God has given us, and we're willing to sacrifice some of the time he's entrusted to us so that we can better serve each other. That's when the church is at its best. So like I mentioned last week, you can go to our volunteer page on our website. You can see where that is. You can stop by the Connect, Grow, Serve desk out in the lobby or just talk with a ministry leader, right? You know, after the service, you could go around the corner, go into the children's area, talk with Jody, talk with Jenny, ask them, how can I help? See, I just don't think we need to be the church where some people are doing everything. No, I just want everyone doing something. Everyone playing their part, right? And that's for all ages and all stages of life. Well, that's where we've been. And after these three weeks of connect, grow, and serve, today as we wrap up, I'm just going to simply leave you with a challenge, all right? I'm going to leave you with a challenge that I want you, I want everyone here to live 168 for the Lord. I want you to live 168 for the Lord, and here's how I'm defining that. Take a look. That to live 168 means I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus every hour of my week and every area of my life. I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus every hour of my week and every area of my life. Everyone here who has personally experienced the transformational love and liberating forgiveness of Jesus Christ, I want you to not settle to not settle for a one-hour-on-a-Sunday religion that's limited to this location. But rather, I want you to pursue with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength the kind of Christian faith that's going to make a difference in every hour of your week, all 168 of them, in every area of your life, whether it's church, work, finances, family, friends, fitness, food, hobbies, you name it. Because if you and I want our lives to count for something, if we want to live for what really matters in the eyes of God, and if we here together at Hope I want to be the kind of church that truly honors him and blesses others, as opposed to just being the kind of church that's going to go through the motions, right? Then we all need to encourage each other to chase after this, right? With everything we've got holding nothing back. And that's the challenge for us to surrender to the lordship of Jesus every hour of our week, in every area of our life. And so the rest of our time today, I want us to look at what living 168 for the Lord looks like, what it looks like biblically, what it looks like practically in the details of our everyday lives. See, when you explore what the Bible has to say about this, it's pretty clear that this kind of faith, this kind of life, is what God desires for every Christian. Every Christian, not just the paid professionals, not just the super spiritual, not just the highly gifted, not just the tender-hearted, not just the extremely outgoing. No, whoever you are, however God has wired you, he desires, he expects you as a follower of Jesus to surrender to him every hour and every area, right? And I say all that because there are a lot of people, you might be one of them, who have this picture in their mind that there are multiple kinds of Christians, right? Multiple kinds, that there are the very into it kind of Christians, right? The pretty into it kind of Christians, right? the sort of into it kind of Christians, and the not really into it kind of Christians, right? 
And so you have all these different categories, and maybe we do this and we put people we know, including ourselves, into one of these categories and say, well, that's just kind of the way it is. You know, there's the very into it, the pretty into it, the sort of into it, and the not really into it. That's how a lot of Christians see it. The problem is they're wrong. Now, there might be different levels of commitment that people have, maybe depending on where they've come from in their past, depending on what they're going through in the present. But the Bible makes it clear that there is nothing half-hearted about being a Christian about being a follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing half-hearted. See, here's what I mean. Look at this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, verse 15. The Apostle Paul writes this, that Christ's love compels us, compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live, take a look at this, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is one of my favorite passages because there are so many wonderful things going on here. First of all, that to be a Christian means you are convinced, absolutely, about the core of Christianity, that Jesus died for you and that he rose again for you. See, true Christian faith is not about what you can do for God. It's not about you trying to impress him with how good you are. No, it's about the gospel. It's about what Jesus has already done for you and all the certainty and the finality that go along with that. Because of Jesus, you belong to God now and forever. Not only that, but because of all that Jesus has done for you, you now have a new life direction. You have a new life agenda that you are no longer living for yourself and what you think you deserve out of life. No, as a Christian, you now live for Jesus, surrendered to him who died for you and was raised to new life, and who will one day come back for you so that you can be with him forever. New agenda, so it's not, God, here are my plans, bless them, but rather it's, God, here's my life, lead me. Right? Lead me. This is what it means for Jesus to be Lord over every area of our lives. As Christians, we have a new life direction. We're not only living for ourselves, we're living for the Lord. And as we live for him, we do so with a new motivation. Verse 14, right in the beginning, look at that. For Christ's love compels us. Jesus' great love for you is your compelling motivation for everything you do, or it should be, Right? Grateful response for who he is and what he has done. Other translations say, for the love of Christ controls us. That is, followers of Jesus, what we do and why we do it should no longer be dictated by our selfish wants or desperate needs. No, it is the love of Christ that is now our everything, a love that should grip us, a love that should control us, a love that should compel us, right? In such a way that it's going to bleed into every of the 168 hours we have in our week. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that's not the only place we see the Christian life described this way. A little earlier in the New Testament, in the book of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul also says this, that I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. You have been crucified with Christ. Your old life, your old sinful nature, your old self-centered orientation, all of that was there with Jesus as he hung on the cross. And as he died, all of that died with him. Now that's a spiritual reality that's pretty hard for us to grasp, but it is nonetheless true and real. 
And so because of that, I no longer live. The old me is gone, and now Christ lives in me. Christ lives through me. That is the Christian life. And so, yes, Paul says that we still go around living in this body of ours that we have, but we do so living by faith, by trust, by surrender to the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Listen, I I don't know how you can honestly read through these last two passages and conclude that there really is such a thing as uh, being a not-really-into-it Christian or a sort-of-into-it Christian or even a pretty-into-it Christian, as if surrendering 80, 90% of our lives is good enough. You know, God, you can take these areas of my life, this, 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 but this one I'm holding back, right? I'm sorry, the Bible just doesn't talk that way about genuine Christian faith, about true saving conversions, right? Now, don't get me wrong. None of us as believers in Christ have arrived yet, right, to this perfectly selfless walk with Jesus where every hour of our week and every area of our life is 100% about him and 0% about us, right? I mean, I think we all get that. I know I'm not there, and I don't know how any of us could come to that conclusion. But like I said earlier on in this series, it's not so much about the perfection of our life as it is about the direction of our life. Which way are we headed, right? There is only one kind of Christian life where we are crucified with Christ, where we are convinced by his gospel, and where we are compelled by his love. Crucified with Christ, compelled by by his love, right? And because of that, we joyfully, we fully surrender to his will right there. And to make it anything less means you're not only cheating God, it means you're also cheating yourself. It means you're settling for this worthless, watered-down Christian faith. And for those of us who know and follow Jesus, he is Lord over all of it, every hour of our week, every area of our life. And so if that really is the case, then What does God desire for all of us as Christians? What's it going to look like? How's it going to play out in our normal, everyday lives, right? For all of us here, for the misfit teenager, for the directionless college student, for the newly married couple, for the never married single. How's it play out for the unemployed middle-aged adult or the bored empty nester, for the lonely senior or the grieving widow? How does it play out for the first-time newcomer here at church or the faithful long-timer? How's it play out for the full-time pastor and the once-a-month volunteer, right? How can we, who have these uniquely indifferent lives, come together? How can we pursue this common goal of all of us surrendering And so the 168 Lordship of Jesus Christ, how can we know if we're going to do it well, and how do we know if we're getting any better at it? Well, to answer that question, let me say this to start. While it's ultimately going to look different for everyone here because of the uniqueness of how God has created us, where he's placed us in life, there are still going to be some common underlying principles that need to direct all of us. Now, pay attention to this. This is really important. That when it comes to living 168 for the Lord, right, Why we do what we do and who we do it for, okay, why we do what we do and who we do it for are more important than what we do, where we do it, and how it looks to others. There's a lot there. Let me read it again. Why we do what we do, that is the attitude of our heart, and who we do it for, that is the audience of one, God himself, right? Those are more important than what we do, the activities, where we do it, the arena, and how it looks to others, the appearance. 
That if you and I are going to strive to live 168 for the Lord, if we agree with God's word that we are now no longer to live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and was raised again, then the primary focus of our faith needs to be the attitude of the heart and our audience of one, God himself. Now, you know why this is so important? It's because it puts all of us on a level playing field. All of us. There's no caste system in Christianity, no pecking order, no hierarchy of importance to God based on things like our vocation, our wealth, our intelligence, our gifts, our beauty, our address, our status. None of that, right? Level playing field. And as I talk about this, I can't help but think of the people that Jesus picked on the most, right? The ones that angered him in such a way that no one else did. And that's the group of Jewish religious leaders that lived during his time known as the Pharisees. And the reason Jesus was so mad at the Pharisees is because they portrayed themselves as the truly spiritual ones who were closest to God. And yet the practice of their religion was focused on all the wrong things. Focused on what? What they did, their activities, where they did it, the arena where they practiced those activities, and how it looked to others, their appearance. Right? And so just like the classic fable, the emperor's new clothes, right? Nobody ever called them out on it. Nobody did until Jesus came along. Look at what he says here, Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, what? To be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. They took a good religious activity, praying, right? But then they brought it into these public arenas so that what? So that they could be seen by others, so that they could impress others, so that others would think, wow, they're incredibly spiritual, right? That's what they did. The practice of their faith was all about appearance. That's why Jesus goes on, verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, you know, hear me out on this, right? Christians who want to live 168 for the Lord do pray, right? Actually, they pray a lot. They pray a lot because Jesus models it. They pray a lot because the scriptures encourage it. And they pray a lot, it says right here, that their heavenly Father rewards it. But for them, when it comes to prayer, the most important thing is what? The attitude of the heart. It's the audience of one, your heavenly Father who sees in secret, right? See, it's not just about what you do, it's about why you do it and who you do it for. Then look at what he says here later on, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin. Now, tithing of all kinds to the Lord, whether it's money earned or produce given, right, as you see here, it was meant to be a good thing, but to give material worth back to God as an act of worship, it all depends on the heart. So Jesus judges them, woe to you, why? Because he goes on, but, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. They gave away, they tithed because they checked the list, but their hearts were in the wrong places. You do all these impressive religious-looking acts, Jesus says, but you treat people terribly because you're not just with them. You're not merciful with them. You're not faithful to them. Again, don't get me wrong. This isn't against tithing or giving to the Lord or prayer or anything else like that. The point is good things done with wrong motives are bad in the end. 
Good things done with wrong motives are bad in the end. Conversely, normal things done with right motives are far greater. That's why Jesus honored a repentant prostitute over a judgmental Pharisee. That's why a humble and faithful custodian beats an arrogant and self-absorbed pastor every time. It's also why going to a bar to help out a friend in distress is far more honoring to God than showing up to church with a hard and stubborn heart. It's not about the action and what you do. It's not about the arena and where you do it. It's not about the appearance and how it looks to others. No, if you want to live 168 and surrender to the lordship of Jesus every hour of your week and every area of your life, then it all comes down to why you do what you do, right? The attitude of your heart and who you do it for, the audience of one, God himself. That's why we see passages like these. Colossians 3, verse 17, Paul says, whatever you do, I mean, that pretty much covers it, right? Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. A few verses later, Paul says it again. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for who? For the Lord, not human masters, not employers, not people who are going to give you pats on the back and celebrate how good you are. Why? Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And then over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever mundane activity you can think of, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do you see the pattern? Whatever you do, whenever you do it, whatever hour of the, the week, whatever area of life it might be, we do it all for the glory of God. Now you might wonder why I'm harping on this so much. Well, because you need to know that everything I've just talked about applies to your life, okay? It applies to your life. Every, every seat, every row applies to your life right now, right? In all its difficulty, in all its plainness, in all its uncertainty, this call is for you. This is for the stressed out young mom up to her ears in dirty diapers who can only find a spare moment of peace and quiet when she shuts the bathroom door, right? And even then, it's not a given. You have the opportunity right where you are to live 168 for the Lord. This is for the woman. This is for the man slogging away at a job they don't really like, that doesn't pay all that well, that doesn't seem very important, that doesn't take advantage of their best skills, that isn't very fulfilling, whatever the drawback. They still stick with it because they're trying to provide for themselves and for those under their care. You don't have to pitch it all and go do something, quote-unquote, more meaningful like the Lord's work, the ministry, become a pastor, whatever. Now, if God's calling you to do that, great. But you too can live for the glory of God right where you are. God just asks, what's your attitude and who are you doing it for? This is for the caregiving adult who's taking care of an aging parent in the final stages of their life. All the burdens, all the visits, all the heartache, all the fatigue, all the prayers, all the struggles with bitterness towards siblings who don't help out, all of it, it doesn't get much more draining and much less glamorous than caregiving. Might even mean you can't make it to church all that often. That happens, but if that is the role that God has for you in this season of your life, then do it for the glory of God. I could go on and on with this, for as many people as we have in this room right now, there are that many different and unique life situations, and I'm so glad that's the case. 
I am. I love the diversity. I love the variety. We don't all need to be doing the exact same thing in the exact same place with the exact same people watching. No, it was never meant to be that way. So don't compare yourself with others. Don't envy someone else's life. Don't think they've got it better than you. God has you right where you're supposed to be. And right there, right now, you have a unique and special and, dare I say, sacred opportunity to live 168, to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus every hour of your week and every area of your life. So saying all that, as we begin to come to a close, I, I want to pause for a moment, okay? A little church talk here. So I want to take a moment. I want you to look around the auditorium right now. Everyone else here, go ahead, just take a look. Just, just look around, all right? Now, now imagine, imagine if everyone in here, including you, said to Jesus with all sincerity, Jesus, I want to live 168 for you. If we all said, Jesus, we want to live 168 for you, that because of how great you are, that because of how good you've been to us, we will no longer live for ourselves, but we will, as the scriptures say, now live for the one who died for us and was raised again. We will live for you. Imagine that, right? Because when I imagine that, I say, God, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of, right? I want to go to a church like that, right? People sold out, worshiping together, connecting together, growing together, serving together, and unleashed together out into a world beyond these four walls that so desperately needs the love, the joy, the hope, the peace that can only be found in Jesus. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of because, you know, we only get one life, and to settle for anything short of that would just be such a waste. So mark this down, Sunday, October 9th, 2016, that this would be the day we decide together that each of us would live 168, that every one of us here who knows and follows Jesus would surrender anew to his lordship every hour of our week and every area of our life. So in a moment, I'm going to lead us together in a prayer that's going to express such a commitment to the Lord. But before I do... I want to tell you about one of the ways that we want to capture this moment so that our desire to live 168 for Jesus would go well beyond this Sunday and this series. So after our closing prayer, after our closing song, on your way out, the ushers at both of these doors are going to give you one of these. It's a sticker. It's a white sticker with a clear background that simply says 168, right? 168, as in the 168 hours that the Lord gives to us each and every week to live. Now, you'll notice it's not a very big sticker. And you might be wondering why that is. It's because we're cheap. No, that's not it. <laughs> I mean, why didn't we print something bigger, you know, that you could put on your car window or put on your school notebook that others could see it. Why is it this small instead of this big? Great question, I'll tell you why. Who is the one person in the world that most needs to know that you are committed to live 168? Who is it? It's you, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I suppose it's great that others know that as well, but they need to know it in how we live, not the stickers we have, right? 
For me, the one person in my life who needs to know it, but also needs to be constantly reminded of it, is me. And I would say the same is true for you. This sticker is for you. It's for me. And the one place, you know, where every hour of my week and every area of my life comes together more than anywhere else, you know where it is? It's right here, right? Email, calendar, appointments, reminders. It's the way I stay on top of my work. It's the way I get a hold of my family. It's the way I manage my finances. It's the way I get my news together. It's the way I access my entertainment. Everything comes together right there. And would you look at it that a small sticker like that, what a coincidence that it actually fits perfectly on the back of my phone. Wow. Incredible, right? And I bet it would fit on the back of your phone as well. If you don't have a phone like that or you don't use it in that way, find another place to put it. Maybe it's on your computer. Maybe it's on the front of your fridge. Maybe it's on the dashboard of your car. Maybe it's on the mirror of your bathroom. Wherever that place is, you're going to see it often where you're going to be reminded that you are no longer living for yourself, but for him who died for you and was raised again, that's where it needs to go. And so the ushers are going to hand these out after the service. We'll have some at the Welcome Center, some at the Connect Grow Serve Desk if you don't get one on the way out. All right? You get it? You in? Yeah. See, here's my heart. My heart for everyone here is that today won't be the end of a series. It'll be the beginning of an era. Beginning of a new era where we individually, we collectively say to Jesus, we want to live 168 for you, right? And that by your grace, we will surrender to your lordship in our lives. And that means every hour of my week, every area of my life. And so let's do this together. Let's commit ourselves to the Lord. And as we express that to him, I'm going to have you stand. We're going to pray. We'll respond with a song of worship to Jesus, the one who died for us and was raised again. Let's pray. Lord, we come here not only responding to a service, but responding to a series that reminds us that there is no greater calling, there is no greater purpose than living our life for you. And that our experience with church would not be shrunk down to one hour on a Sunday in this physical location, but that we would be launched from this place. And whether it's family, finances, work, fitness, leisure activities, friendship, whatever it is, that we would surrender that to you. Lord, I pray for the hearts of the people here, beginning with me, that God, your Holy Spirit, who is present here, would fill our hearts with your glory so that we would have the strength, the motivation to live more fully for you. Uh, Lord, we won't do it perfectly, but let us head in that direction by your grace and for your glory. And even with something as simple as a sticker, Lord, use that as a tangible reminder to surrender anew our lives to Jesus. Father, thank you. Father, we know that you have so much in store for every person here. And so we will live with a right attitude of heart and we will live for an audience of one. You our Heavenly Father, every hour of our week and every area of our life. This we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is one born for our salvation.
There is no one like Jesus, amen? Amen. That is why he is the one that we live 168 for. A couple things before you dismiss. First of all, you may have seen Pastor Ken up here and others of our staff rocking one of these new freshly minted 168 t-shirts. Uh, I was going to wear it today, but I didn't want to show Ken up, you know, with <laughs> kind of my washboard abs and all that. So... Um, <laughs> Seriously, though, we, will, we would love, if you're interested in getting one of these, to put this in your hand. We have a place on our website where you can go and order one. Seven bucks for adults, six for kids. They can help you out at the Connect, Grow, uh, Serve desk as well with that. Next Sunday, we are beginning a new series on the Holy Spirit called God in Me, who the Holy Spirit is and who He wants to be in our lives. Can't wait to start that. But as you go from here, may you go. The power of Jesus that he is Lord over every area of your life, every hour of your week. God bless you.